Welcome to the Life and Soul podcast with me, Zoe Clark Coates, where I talk to guests about their lives and the things that cracked open their souls on this crazy journey called life. This week, I welcome my friend, Jules Oliver, to the conversation, and she speaks openly, honestly, and movingly about her journey to motherhood and about the trauma and grief of suffering with repeated miscarriage. Now, I'm sure most of you know who Jules is, but for those who don't, she's a model, author, and designer. She's married to the chef, author, and restaurateur, Jamie Oliver. They met as teenagers and fell in love and have been married for over 20 years. Jules and Jamie are blessed to raise five children, Poppy, who is 18, Daisy, 17, Petal, 11, Buddy, who is 10, and River Rocket, who is four. What I've always loved and respected about this beautiful couple is their love and loyalty to one another, and also their commitment to being authentic about their truth and the things they believe in. This really is a powerful combination. In this podcast, Jewel shares intimate details about her miscarriages, her grief, her PTSD, and her hope to grow her family further. So let's commence. So I just want to welcome my wonderful guest today, my friend, Jules Oliver. Welcome to the podcast, Jules. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a real, um, it's a real honour. It's always an honour to be asked to do a podcast when you don't think what you've got to say is listened to many people. So it's quite unusual, <laughs> but thank you. Well, I am so honoured to have you on. And I know um, when I first got to know you and I'd reached out and, and I'd um, said, I absolutely love what you do. And your baby book, Minus Nine to One, was my go-to book oh, when I was wow. actually expecting. <laughs> no way. That just feels like a life. It just feels like a lifetime ago, actually. But so it's so weird when someone says you did that book, you think, oh, God, yeah, I did. <laughs> I know. I see. Yeah, I so loved it. It just felt so real and so natural. And that's exactly what I was looking for. I didn't want just a medical guide. I wanted personal experience. And that book definitely gave it to me. Oh, good. I'm so pleased. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. So I would love to hear you start by sharing your story about motherhood. Did you always want to be a mother? Oh, God, always. Probably from the age of eight. I was thinking of names, Poppy, Daisy, Flower Name, very predictable. I, I can't believe at the age of like 26, I thought it was still important to have these flower names. But yes, yeah, so about the age of eight, I just wanted to be a mum. I mean, I wanted a career. I wanted to be a model. I wanted to be a writer. But but always I knew I'd end up, you know, in the end, I'm just going to be a, a, not just, but I'm going to be a mum and I'm going to love it. So that's yeah. kind of, yeah, always. So explain your story, um, the journey to have your first little one. Yeah, I had, I have polycystic ovaries. And mm-hmm. due to a very late period at 16, my mum and I went to the doctor and said, you know, this, we want to kind of check everything's okay. And that's, you know, it's 25 years or so ago. And it was, you know, there were no scans. Well, there were scans, but the, for us, it was just going to a doctor. We had a quick kind of check and they said, oh, you've got polycystic ovaries. You won't be able to conceive. I mean, which is ridiculous as we know now. Yeah. So I kind of thought, oh, okay, well, that's, all right, well, never mind. That, okay, fine. We'll deal with that. And of course, at seventeen, you're not really thinking of those things particularly then. And then, yeah. um, and then, kind of, as I just carried on with it. And they, my periods have always been very on and off due to the PCOS. So it's always been a nightmare. 
And then when I met Jamie and then when we got married, obviously, we'd always talk about having children. And uh, it was then that I said, look, you know, after a year or so, I said, look, I, I think they're right. Actually, I don't think I can conceive we have to go and see someone. So kind of that was the start of the journey. And it well, I'm not I wasn't infertile, clearly. And also, you know, it was never as bad. There's so, so many people a billion times worse off. But at the beginning, I just thought, oh, oh my God, that's it. It's not going to work. You know, but that's just because yeah. I wasn't very well informed and I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And such a shocking diagnosis when you're so young. But as you say, you don't actually really know the weight of that, do you, until no. later on when you're wanting to start a family? Exactly. Um, so what advice were you then given? What then happened next? Um, it was just basically after a year, I went to an amazing doctor who said, you know, a, a fertility doctor who said, we just have to do the checks on you and on Jamie and we'll just check everything's in line and, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I remember being very nervous, thinking, oh, no, I've got to go have all these, I've got to have a laparoscopy. I don't, I don't like going under the, you know, under the knife. This is a nightmare. It's all very right. dramatic. But actually, they're all very simple checks that you have to do. And um, everything kind of came back. Oh, you know, there was nothing really wrong with either of us. So that was kind of, everything was just in stages. So um, I think my fallopian tubes were a bit long. So they, they, I think one of them was trapped, something ridiculous. So during the operation, they managed to untrap them. And maybe that was it. No, they never really said what the exact reason was. But generally, it was just because my periods were so kind of sporadic that they had okay. to give me um, a drug called Clomid to then, God, don't ask me what that does, but it's a miracle. I think yeah. it turns your period into, you know, so, so I could yeah. I knew my cycle, basically. Yeah, and starts the ovulating process. Yeah. Um, so your first pregnancy, lead us up to that moment when you found out you were expecting. Yes, that was a pop. Oh, it was just... It was one of those things where you just think, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just late, I'm not, I'm not. And then I think Jamie had gone to work and I just, we'd just moved into a new little flat and it was a lovely bathroom. The bathroom was so nice. It was like coming through the bathroom and I did a little wee on the stick and I just, you know, you look and you think, no, you just can't believe. It's just on cloud one million. Whenever you yeah. see it, you know, when you want those two pink lines and they come, you just, you know, you just can't believe it. And And her pregnancy was just perfect. It was smooth and wonderful and easy and and healthy and lovely so um I never ever imagined that there could be a journey where it wasn't like that especially at 26 I was healthy and you know everything was fantastic so Poppy was yeah Poppy was a really lovely entrance into motherhood oh that's so wonderful to hear so when you encountered loss for the first time at what point was that so that was before River I was, uh, must be about 41 years old. So it's about well, it was five years ago, Rivers 4. It was the first one I had before after, you know, trying for my fifth baby, basically. Yeah. And talk us through what happened. Talk us through the emotions and what you went through. So hard. I mean, they're all so different. Having, unfortunately, having quite a few. They're all so many, they, they're all different. They medically are all different. Um, this, I just, because it was the first one, I was a bit, not, no, not blase, but I thought, oh, I'm bleeding. That no, no, can't be. I'm not because I've had four healthy children in a million years. I've, I also bled with my second. So I thought, oh, it's a similar thing. Don't panic. The only thing I was worried about was my age. I was thinking, well, I am 41. So this is probably the, this is what happens. This is historically what they say. Um, and yeah, it was, I, I think it just kind of, it took so long. Just this being on, you keep going back and then you go to the scan and it's all, there's a heartbeat. It was just, everything was going but they, they didn't look, they didn't say there's a heartbeat, it's brilliant. They went, oh, there's a heartbeat, but you, it, it may not last. So you kind of think, of course it, it will. And I remember, I think, listening to actually, for this Baby Loss Awareness Week, listening to a million stories, totally absorbed stories, all very similar. You do think, 
if I hold my tummy and stroke it, I'm going to, it's going to be fine. I'm going to bring that heartbeat back, but you, know, you didn't. And yeah, the first one was just long. It just felt like it took, it probably didn't take two months, but it felt like it took the process, took about two months to actually completely leave the body. And I thought that is ridiculous that, that it can take that long. And unfortunately, I just don't feel, and I had private care through all my, I was very lucky, not NHS and all of it. And frankly, amazing people, but the aftercare is just, well, I don't know. I just don't know how I've, um, I, I don't know how women feel alive sometimes because it's such a, miscarriages can also be so damn dangerous. You know, yeah, they can take absolutely. your life. That's, that's the, the fact of it. And some of them are, some of them are easy and some of them are hideous. So yeah, yeah. first one just went on a long time and it was a bit, ooh, very consuming and shocking it's all just very shocking I think it is I just think that none of us are prepared to go through loss one it's Mm. not the natural order of things we're not supposed to say goodbye to our children are we it's meant to be the other way around when we're elderly so I just don't think we're prepared for it but I also think the education surrounding loss is so limited and you don't really learn about the subject until you're encountering it firsthand Exactly. I think the main thing I have found is slightly, not embarrassed, but guilty for, well, A, having four children and thinking, well, I can't tell people I have miscarriage because I've got four so, and I'm 41. So what the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm definitely doing something wrong in terms of I shouldn't be doing this. It's not fair on other people. And also mm-hmm. just not being able to, you know, just can't really, yeah, I just think it's a subject. It's not embarrassing. It's just you feel like you shouldn't complain. It's a horrible thing. I, I, that's the thing. Why can't you scream from the rooftop? It's so bad. And I, when I listen to all these stories, all these women's stories are so heartbreaking. Why are we not able to show that heartbreak? We have to kind of keep yeah. it concealed. And that's exactly what I've done. I don't think it's a good idea. It's really not a good idea, you know, for your mental health, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And that is definitely always been my message, just express the pain. And, and that brings me nicely to one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which was, the lack of empathy when you've already mm. got children. Mm. Um, the more and more I speak to people who have encountered loss when they have got living children is they do feel that they're almost, they don't have permission to grieve because they no. feel it's almost like they're telling the world they're not grateful for the children they've got, yes. which is so yeah. far from the truth. But so many feel that. And I, as you just said, it's somewhat what you felt as well. How can I actually say about this if somebody else hasn't got a child at all with them? Exactly. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I did stop telling awful because I'm really close to my friends, really close to my family, certainly my best friends and my family. I didn't even tell my mum because I thought, no, she's worried about me. She probably, I'm sure she's thinking we're 40 something. And this is, you know, you've got wonderful fat. You've got everything you ever wanted. Why are you pushing it? And I thought, I better not say anything. I feel really guilty that I'm pushing everyone. I'm putting through all this. And then it turned out there's, then you really are alone because you can't tell your friends, your family. And, you know, I didn't even really tell Jamie. I was pregnant at points, not at points, but certainly three of the pregnancies. So I was so worried that it might, he might say, we're doing this all again. And, you know, we were trying, but I didn't tell him in case things went wrong, which is utterly mental. Obviously, after a couple of weeks, I'd say, oh, look, I am pregnant. But I was too worried to tell him when I peed on the stick because I thought, oh, God, he's going to yeah. think, here we go again. You know, I felt I was putting people through hell for my selfish gain. That, and that's yeah. terrible. It is. But so many women feel exactly like that. Yeah. I know I've heard so many times people saying to me, it almost feels like self-harm because yes. Yes. I'm desperate to have a baby, but I know it could potentially cause me huge suffering and pain. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so weird that it's such a strong pull 
And it just yeah. makes you go back and back. And you think, oh, when will this end? When will this need end? Because it's just, you know, it's put me through some terrible situations. But but that is, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I know for myself and many others, after you've gone through loss, it just creates an even bigger passion to have a baby because mm. you've now created room in your life for another little yeah. one to come along. And yeah. then if that place isn't filled because they've sadly passed away, you expect the grief to actually do the opposite and make you just yeah. not want to have another child, but it does the yeah. opposite, doesn't it? It makes you desperate terrible. for another it's baby. Terrible. It's like a competition with your own self. It's, I think the, the fourth miscarriage when the lovely, amazing lady was kind of dealing, you know, she was physically getting the baby out. It was only nine, eight weeks. I said to her in a stupid, you know, how you do when you say silly things and you don't really know why you say them and why you do yeah. them. But I said, Oh, think it's time to get a dog and then we laughed and then I thought I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a dog this is I cannot do this anymore I, I can't stand this this whole thing then within much about I had my lunch and I, I was at home and I thought maybe I'll try in a few months I thought what what it just comes into your head and then it starts again I'm like oh I don't I really desperately don't want to have to do that why can't I just get a dog and be satisfied it's, it's, so then I feel like I'm being completely selfish it's like a cycle yeah. it's terrible awful it is so hard but also shows the huge huge ability as humans to recover emotionally and to say right I'm on the floor but I know I'm going to get off it soon and be able to try again the human spirit is truly remarkable isn't it absolutely yeah totally totally sometimes well we surprise certainly surprise myself I surprise Jamie daily with my kind of yep let's do it come on because I just feel like there's no you know never give up on anything really not necessarily this but on most things so yeah. And one of the things so many people incur is real damage to their relationships when they're going through loss. Did mm. you encounter any of that at all? I certainly think on our well, first miscarriage, it brought us so much closer. I actually think in a, in a horrible way, that, that well, in a good way, they have each one has brought us closer together. I think because mm-hmm. we see we've had such, we've shown such pain and I think we're able to, I don't know, we just had such a source of comfort for each other. I think on certainly on our first one, it brought us a whole extra bond that I felt like no one could ever understand. Yeah, I definitely think it's brought us closer. That's beautiful. At the beginning, far away, but at the kind of once you get over it, it's always brought us closer. So that's what I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Do you think you grieve at the same rate in a similar way? I don't think so at all. I think I kind of grieve constantly, but I, I but I kind of, but in a, in a happy, not a happy way, you know, I kind of go about my life and, and I love my life and everything's brilliant, but then I can happily cry left, right and centre. Whereas mm-hmm. I, and I sometimes say, why don't you cry? And he's like, well, I don't, I don't need to cry to, to tell you, you know, that's not exactly, that's not my way of doing it. So I was quite, but I'm a very open person anyway. So I could, you know, it's not, I can kind of express myself very easily, yeah. but I don't, I mean, it must be different for men and women to, you know, it must be a different process it's all the hormones and the, the emotional the whole bit for a woman is physically as well you know it must be yeah. different I don't know how many yeah. I don't know I mean, I'm sure in, in also different miscarriages as well some are visually horrific some are done quite you know mine have all been completely different so what they see as well you know yeah what they see is, is also what you know it etched on their memory as well yeah, for sure. And I think communication is just key in the fact yeah. of keeping that conversation open and being able to be 
truly real and authentic about what you're feeling and experiencing so even if both of you don't feel exactly the same you can at least understand where each other are at yeah um, exactly is so vital now I know your last loss was sadly in lockdown in the pandemic and that throws up a whole other host of issues and being away from family and friends etc can you share about that experience at all well I know even before we went into lockdown my elder sister my mum went I hope you're not you know it was a joke I hope you're not thinking about another baby and I went no Mm -hmm. god no god no but then I was thinking of course I am because we're in lockdown and we're together it's a perfect opportunity and it's all going to be fine so they didn't say anything although they've got great intuition as because we're very close they kind of I don't yeah. know if my mum had a thought but um yeah it was uh I can't remember when it was in May so it was just kind of coming well whenever that was where that was bad that was coming out of sort of really bad lock time but um yeah I just didn't tell them and also it's nothing worse than not being able to tell my mum because she was shielding So I knew that if I told her I'd had a miscarriage, she'd be on the floor trying to get there. And I did not want her to kind of come in my family for the obvious reasons. So it really was, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't notice a pandemic necessarily, apart from not being able to tell my mum and see her in person, say, mum's has happened and then do that. So, but, you know, it was like all the others. I still had Jamie there. I didn't tell the children until after the event or kind of, you know, just as it happened because I think they're just, they get too scared. So, you know. But it, there's a worry about getting to the hospital and thinking, what if I get corona? And then, that's, God, everyone's going to be so angry with me if I pass it on. It's just the mental things you think about. But, you know, obviously yeah. it's a big deal. I could have got coronavirus had I gone to the hospital and, you know, just managed to catch it. And then and then I bring a whole host of problems back to my own family again because I'm being a bit selfish. Do you think you'll continue to want to expand your family for years to come? When do you think your journey will end on that? Well, I mean, like you say, once you have these miscarriages, you're like, well, I've got to, you know, this baby's meant to be here. So I have to keep trying. So, you know, I have thought about IVF because having researched it and spoken to some amazing people, it seems like the right option at my age because, you know, to find the healthy eggs and et cetera. But, you know, so that's it's hard because also I've got a partner, you know, he's got to think about him. I'm not so sure he's that keen to do it that way. So I don't want to push anything because I'm very lucky, but I don't know. I, I presume when I get to an age when I'm in the menopause, I think, actually, thank God, I almost feel relieved that, thank God, it's not possible. And I can just carry on with my life and, you know, relax because it's yeah. always in the back of your head. That's the problem. Yeah. So true. I mean, when we had Esme, we really thought that we would only have one. That was our kind of intention, really. Mm. And then we just loved being parents so much. We yeah. just couldn't imagine not having more and then going through more loss. And it was only because of health reasons that yeah. we actually stopped in the end in the fact of saying, okay, we need to stop at the two we've got. But I yeah. completely understand that absolute passion and urge to to have a bigger family. Yeah. It's just the imagine it's just the imagine the baby in the blanket and the oh it's all the lovely things that I've I've really cherished over the years. And I think what well, yeah. and of course made much worse to probably going to university because I think, oh there you are, there's a room free. What the heck? I'm sure that's a sign. I mean, you know, so it's just a nightmare. So it's even worse that she's gone because I feel like, all oh, right, okay, this is my last attempt. And that's also quite tiring because, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, I should be happy as I am. And I am, but, you know, there's a room free. So what the hell? <laughs> 
And it's not about a lack of happiness or a lack of joy, is it? It's about wanting no. to bring in more joy and more exactly. happiness. Because it's just been such a, a words, you know, it's just everything. I mean, I've had parents, teenagers, and that is, oh, that's so hard. That's literally, that would that would stop anyone wanting another baby. But I just still feel, <laughs> now I've got two, I've got the older and the younger, and I've got River, and I think, oh, just, you know, just one more. Just But life's all about pleasure, and it just gives me so much pleasure. I can't, and life is so short. I have these arguments yeah. in my head daily. Should I? Shouldn't I? But life is so short. Yeah, I should definitely. No, but then life is short. Perhaps I should keep, you know. Oh, <laughs> it's an exhausting situation. <laughs> it so is. Have you ever regretted being so open about your motherhood story, about even your losses, etc., in the fact that that opens up the whole media debate discussing your fertility and your family and your decisions? Yeah, I mean, Daily Mail love to they'll pick on something, perhaps in this podcast, and some line will be twisted to sound terribly weird. But no, because I don't, I, I think it's, I just think I'm just a really open person. I am with my children. I, as long as I, I don't, I wouldn't say anything embarrassing or, you know, personal, but, but normal life, I just think, speak out, be normal, be real, be honest. You know, it's just, I just don't, I can't bear all this, oh, everything's fine. I just don't, I don't, I can't, I can't stand that. So I do yeah. feel, you know, miscarriage it's quite hard to talk about the beginnings you think oh, I was miscarriage I'm upset people but the more obviously with things like baby loss awareness week the more you put it out there and you know and I've once I've said it it's out there and the papers love that once they've got over it it's back to normal and it's business as usual and I you know I should I think it's very important to continue talking about it having had five now I know that there needs a lot of things need to change for other people mm-hmm. you know much younger than myself who are going to go through this even my own children I want it to not be as how I felt it's been Yeah, I totally agree. And that's definitely why I do all I do for the charity and as also as co-chair for the Pregnancy Loss Review on behalf of the government. That's all about changing how we care for people and seeing how we can do things different to avoid some of the trauma surrounding baby loss. And I do that for everybody who's going through it now, but also for the next generation, because I just think we need things to be different. 100% 100% no it's amazing and you don't really think about it actually awfully until it does happen to you which is why it's really important that this subject should be for people who haven't you know this whole thing should be people who haven't lost children people who have because you know it's just important for everyone to be aware of it just open the conversation and, and you should be taught at schools the whole thing needs to be redone yeah I totally agree have you spoken to your children about loss how open is the dialogue within your home about baby loss I mean, they know, because if I'm crying, they'll be like, Mum, I said, oh, no, I'm just thinking about, I'm just, you know, it'd be something and, you know, I'll be quite honest with them. I tend, I did, because my second miscarriage was just almost fatal, they are quite scarred by that. So I've, the ones I've had after, I've not told them until I've come back and I said, right, everything's, I have had a miscarriage, but everything is fine. Everything's gone. Nothing, you know, nothing's going to be like number two. So relax. So they know, I'm very, I mean, I'd rather tell them when I'm pregnant because I just, you know but I just think actually for their own they worry so much about my health I think it might be a tad selfish so I kind of just deal with it quietly luckily they you know I can be pregnant you know a couple of weeks and then I have the miscarriage so it's not too long for them to find out but normally you know I'll be I think for I don't know which one the fourth one maybe I was my daughter was having a she wanted pancakes for breakfast and I was bleeding I was thinking I've got to get to hospital I really I went I've really got to go and she's like going but mum you said you'd leave me pancakes I was thinking oh my god this is you're being so selfish right now, but I cannot literally say where I'm going. I went, I've got a meeting, I've got to go. And in the taxi, off I went and had the miscarriage. And then when I came back, she gave me a big hug and said, you didn't, why didn't you say something? I said, because 
you wanted your bloody pancakes and I, yeah. I can't just blurt it out because you're going to go to school and think I'm going to die in hospital so I just got to make sure that you know that I'm not going to die and it's all okay so you know yeah. so oh, pretty so open hard. as you can be I think yeah yeah what happened with your baby loss number two that you said was almost fatal it was yeah a miscarriage a bit of bleeding I thought that's fine it's going to be like number one similar please don't let it be long and um I just think it's a, and then yeah it starts to bleed a bit went to the doctor they said the horrific thing is there's no heartbeat I thought right okay fine I'm going to deal with this, this is absolutely fine I've been here before we can do this with I think it was, you know the pill that you take to bring on the contractions all weekend, nothing happened. I went on long walks. I went to my daughter's concert. I did everything. Still thinking, what if, what if something, what if, you know, a big rush of blood comes, I'm sitting on the seat. All these things you worry about didn't happen. I thought, fine, okay. So the guy said, look, why don't we sedate you? Because, and we'll do the, not the DNC. It's just to kind of get everything out because I didn't want to go yeah. under. So he said, we'll do the least thing that we can do for you. I said, well, not on Monday because that's Buddy's violin thing. And I kept, he said, look, stop. Just come in on Tuesday. Stop making excuses for your children. They'll mm. be fine. I was like, okay, fine, right, right, right. I will miss her concert on Tuesday, but I'll go to his on Monday. And then stupidly left it too late. Went to get my, I went for a breast check. I thought, let's get some jobs done to kind of, you know, get everything organized so that I'm healthy in every other way. And as I was getting the boobs done, you know, that I just got the gush. And I thought, oh, God, I can't, what am I going to do? And it kept coming and coming. And I said, I'm really sorry. Uh, he went, are you okay? You've gone very white. And I went, I'm having a miscarriage, actually. And he, poor guy, was so worried. He was about 65, lovely man. He was so, took him out of the sector. And she went, I said, just take, can you show me the loo is? And I was in the loo and it was all coming out. I just thought, this is, I actually don't know what, normally I know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I stuffed rivers, nappies, anything. I mean, my, I must have had about three nappies, every bit of tissue, a loo roll, everything. So I thought, it's going to stop. Got in the car drove I was near the Portland I thought I'm just going to drive to hospital I'm actually going to drive to hospital and do what my, my mum would say go to hospital stop faffing so yeah. I sat in the car and it was just getting heavy and I thought okay well I think I'm gonna die so I phoned the Portland I begged them to come and get me I said look I'm by the Starbucks please come and get me because I'm bleeding and they're like if you could just walk I said look, bring an ambulance do what you have to do this poor young girl came with a wheelchair up Marylebone High Street and I was thinking this is so weird because this is where I like to shop and if my friends yeah. could see me now I'm in a wheelchair and it's uh. pumping this blood this is all so not right so we were it got to the Portland and all the time I'm trying to say can someone I think they're so some people are so young especially young doctors or young nurses are so frightened they can't answer your yeah. questions and I was going so do you think this is like, am I going to die you know on and on the same you're in the shower, it's everywhere. Jamie arrives and he's kind of like, oh my God, it looks, it just looks like a murder scene. It's so unkind. It's so visually hideous. And then uh, next thing I knew, I think I was, I don't remember the rest. I must have almost passed out. And then he said, look, we're just going to do the operation. Love, my lovely guy came running over from my obstetrician and that was it. And they did the operation. But I, I don't think I mean, had I left it, had I taken the journey to go home, not to the hospital, I don't think I would have survived because it was so much blood loss. So and these are all... the things that we don't talk about, right? No. That we don't no. hear about. People act often, especially when reporting about loss in the media, the fact that it's almost a heavy period. They no. don't talk about the realities of what a loss can actually look like and feel like. I mean, you don't, each one I've said to the doctor, so just double check. So what should I be, how much, even now, because I'm so paranoid and frankly, 
what's the PTSD? What do you call it? PSD? Yeah, yeah, PTSD, but yeah. I 100% have that. And I, okay, I could take myself off to a therapist to sort that out. But, you know, occasionally I'll be in the car and I'll just go, oh, God. And Jane will say, well, it's nothing. I just, nothing. And I just literally see myself in that wheelchair. And I think, oh, my God, this is just flashbacks. Yeah. That I can't, I'm going to have to live with the rest of my life. And that's, that is, you know, really hard. It's just, it truly is. No one tells you, really. I, I just don't think you cannot pack someone off and say off you go I just don't know how you can you can't just say go and go and pass your baby and you'll be fine I just don't know how they can do that I don't know why they do that why they're not calling you every day and saying darling it's me I'm your midwife or whatever you want to call yourself I'm here how much mm-hmm. blood loss have you had how do you feel do you feel sick right I'm coming to why don't do you, when they come to check the baby for the health every day which I always think is pointless and driving mad which I know some people mm-hmm. need it why don't mm-hmm. they do that when a woman's missing? Why don't they come every morning in their blue little uniform and check your blood pressure, check you? Because yeah. it could you could end up, it could be fatal. Yeah. And so often there's absolutely no care at all. The fact that some people end up in A&E, a lot of people don't. Yeah. They just maybe have a call with their GP, but there is no follow-up. There's no follow-up on the medical side, but there's also no follow-up on the mental and emotional no. side no. of the impact on it. And like you just said, of sadly you suffering with PTSD, so many others are are exactly the same. And people felt, I think, almost embarrassed in past years to say, could this be PTSD? Because it was so associated with people who had been in war, torn countries and situations. But actually, research shows that PTSD is exactly what many people suffer with following the loss of a baby. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and I think you said yesterday it changes you. I can't remember where I heard it. Maybe I think it was you with yeah. Pippa. It yeah. does. It just changes you in each one, changes yeah. you. And I don't, you know, need to. And you can never go back. I can never go back to how I was five years ago, or whatever. Because I just, I've had a new take on life. A new, there's a new. I've, I've had this thing happen, and I, maybe that's a gift. I don't know. I don't want that mm. many gifts. One of them all is done. I don't want five gifts, but it, maybe that <laughs> is something you know to take from it. I suppose. Yeah, how do you feel different because you have encountered loss? Aside well, from the trauma the side. side, you've you've gone to the so you've gone to the, the like you say it's that flipping club. You've joined the club, and actually, exactly as you said yesterday, it's not one you want to be in, of course, but it's actually quite wonderful. In a, I can't describe it. It's just you feel. I don't know. I just feel. I don't know. Just just more love. I don't know what it is. I just you know I've been through something. I've experienced something, and it's just you. I don't know. It's just something has changed more love towards my children, maybe more compassion, something, but I can't put a finger on it. But it's it's quite an incredible thing. Isn't it? Isn't it? And I try to explain that in the baby loss guide in the fact that um, I see it as almost valleys were dug out of me. I went through such pain and suffering mm. through going through it. Yeah. But in turn over the years those valleys have then been filled with joy and love because yes. they've created almost new depths in me. Exactly. I, I um, agree. Yeah. Life's not just black and white now. It's all in full colour because you embrace everything because yeah. you're aware that nothing's guaranteed and yeah. not everything stays forever. No. And, and, you know, death is such a, I don't know, just you don't, you hope never to witness it. I hope never to see a dead body. All these things that you never, you know, you never imagine. And then, but if you're, you know, you are passing. I mean, I, I didn't, I've never seen what I've, what has come out of me. I've always kind of just well, I looked and gone and not seen but, you know, you've mm-hmm. kind of, that's a, an unbelievable experience. And I said, it's unbelievable that women don't get help after it's happened because it's unbelievable that you have to do it on your own or with your partner, whoever, or maybe in the train station or in the supermarket or in the blooming concert. It's just 
it's not it's not it's not unbelievable it truly is so what tips would you give to anybody who has recently encountered a loss and who doesn't know which way is up at the moment well I unfortunately had a friend who bought a, a lovely girl who I'm friends on Instagram who kind of shared her story and I instantly DM'd her I didn't know what I was going to say but I just wanted to say you must just keep talking I just think talking with your husband talking with anyone who will listen who is there for you because I just it's the only way to keep I don't know why it's so important to talk but it just is you know just to keep to, and tell your story because that's because it's your your baby it was your you know like you say it's everything it's all your dreams and you know you would talk about if you lost your restaurants you'd talk about that and everyone would listen and you'd put it on you know if you lost your business so it's the same you should be able to just just keep talking I'm sure it makes it better I don't know I might be wrong but yeah. for me talking and being open as I could with people was was a real help and, and of course the same old thing as time goes by you, you know you can look back at it and go god that that happened but you know it's never the initial months are just really horrible mm-hmm. and you know thank god I have children I am very blessed to fill those times when you know I could just you know the school run even the school run was helpful because you know I was being distracted it's lots of distractions as well can really help yeah and that's totally clinically accurate the fact that you do need to talk and the more you talk the more the brain finally accepts Mm. what it's gone through because it's in shock as well and it's only by talking and communicating about your pain and your story that your brain can actually accept that and say okay I can handle this it might have preferred for it never to have happened but I can now handle it and that's why people need to tell their stories over and over again until finally they feel almost at peace telling that story because yeah. it's part of them I agree I'm a, I mean I'm allowed to tell my story all the time if I if I want to to Jamie and I think he must think I don't know I'm sure he, he listens and he understands you know just as if I talk about my dad passing away 25 years later or something I'll say god I really you know you can just say it and you think oh I could let me just tell you a story about when he did this and that and then then you feel better then you go and have yeah. dinner or you sit down you think oh I feel better because it's been if I don't say it I'll then just cry inside or cry outside and I just have to say it then I've said it and it's done. Yeah. So speaking is, is 100% uh, uh, important. It is. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. And I know it's going to help so many people feel less alone because hearing others share always releases us as individuals to share our personal story too. So thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Thank you to Jules for sharing so eloquently about her life story. I'm sure lots of you resonated with her experiences and were listening saying yes, me too, under your breath. If you feel you need any support, please know my books, Saying Goodbye, The Baby Loss Guide and Pregnancy After Loss are available from all good bookstores and online. Additionally, the Mariposa Trust offers support to anyone who has lost a baby at any stage of pregnancy however early or late the loss was, at birth or in infancy, whether the loss was recent or historic. The saying team are there for you 24-7. All you need to do is call or email. Full details can be found on the website. Join me on my next podcast as we hear more stories from courageous people who want to share their truth. <laughs>